This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Welcome, everyone, to yet another episode of Diagnosing the Aftermarket A to Z. I'm Matt Fonslow, and I've got the one and only Bryn Klein. He is the owner of Assured Auto Works, and he's also the president of Florida Auto Care Alliance. Hi. Anyone who doesn't work for him thinks that he is the greatest guy that ever <laughs> they've ever accurate. met. So I got this list of complaints from your employees, and we're <laughs> supposed to discuss that. I'm just kidding. Since its launch in 2020, the Napa Auto Care member site has continued to evolve to keep members updated on all the Napa programs, promotions, benefits, and other information available to help their businesses thrive. If you're a Napa Auto Care member, visit member.napaautocare.com to access the member portal. Not a Napa Auto Care Center? Contact your servicing Napa Auto Parts store to learn more about how to join the Napa family. I, I, I called Bryn because uh, Mother's Day, uh, my parents hosted and family's there. The first time I was ever called you know, on Mother's Day, it was, it was pretty sweet of you. Well, I thought I should at least wish you a happy Mother's Day. <laughs> you answered. I was just going to leave a voicemail. It's the only time it's ever happened, so of course I'm going to answer, especially for you. What does he want? So I was walking through the living room uh, at Mother's Day and nobody's really watching TV or anything, but it happened to be regular television. So uh, my parents live out in the country, which Bryn knows. I introduced him to my parents early on in our relationship and maybe too soon by some people's advice. But I don't know. I felt I was safe in doing so. It was pretty cool. I mean, some people are first name basis. Others are pajama basis. And so I got to meet them in their pajamas, which is pretty awesome. They weren't expecting us. I did not give them any heads up <laughs> that I was bringing over a friend. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted Bryn to see kind of where I grew up. And uh, when he left, he now understood a lot more. He's much more tolerant of my <laughs> idiocracies, <laughs> idiosyncrasies. I just wondered why you weren't didn't turn out better than you did. <laughs> My parents would agree with that. I think that was part of the conversation you guys were having. <laughs> well, anyways, they don't have... There's no cable. There's no cable, no satellite. It's all through an antenna. One of the channels they have up here in Minnesota, maybe everywhere, has older shows, older classics. And the one that was on was MASH, the TV show. I'm walking through... I don't really know the episode. I didn't sit down to watch. It just stopped and because I heard some stuff that piqued my interest. So I watched that end of that scene. I think this translates quite well. Anyways, the, the scene essentially is uh, Margaret Houlihan, Hot Lips, has a long running relationship with this other character. And if I remember right, I think it's Scully. Not Agent Scully from X-Files. Different Scully. She's trying to win his favor, I think. He's stopping by the MASH unit. He's set up to take a truck out and leave. She gets uh, one of the clinger to advise this guy to swing by her tent and say hi and talk to her, whatever. So he goes and she's all kind of dolled up in this dress. Piques his interest. Immediately, you know, he's interested in sitting around talking long conversations about how to fix the problems of the world. <laughs> it was more to do with her almost like setting up the relationship in the uh, traditional male, female type of dynamics where he's like, you know, 
what would be perfect is an omelet. And he's telling her what he likes on his omelets. He's like, what do you like on your omelets? And she's like, wait a minute, you want me to make two omelets? I don't have enough time for anything. And he keeps talking. And, you know, honestly, I I don't want to go into super details about the conversation, but it gets to the point where Margaret suffers no fools. Really, when it comes down to it, she has a limit. She can be, you know, pretty tender with certain people. And then, boom, forget about it. It's over. She's now jumping down your throat, jumping your case. And that's what she does to him. And she says some stuff that I just found very attention grabbing. Essentially, look at what I've done. I've gotten dressed up. I've cleaned up. I've made some changes to please you. I'm doing things different because I'm trying to please you. And all you can talk about is more. More do this. More Do this more. We, you should do this. Without even acknowledging what I've already done. And I just felt like, holy crap. I mean, it goes both ways in a shop. And in really any relationship. But this podcast is about automotive uh, repair profession. And so it just screams shop owner, technician, dynamic, both directions. Yeah. And I don't know anything about life outside of automotive shops. So <laughs> you you mentioned the episode to me and you just, I don't even remember exactly what you said. You said, do you know where I'm going with this? And you didn't say anything. And my response back, I think was pretty much spot on to what you were thinking in a shop setting. Uh, we're talking shop owners, managers primarily, right? Or the uh, Scully? Is that the character? Scully? I thought it was Scully. I, I think she's had a relationship with him, like long running, maybe on again, off again. You know, I really like the show, but man, I haven't watched it in a long time. And honestly, I heard more of it than I saw it until I spun around uh, when she started kind of lighting them up. You hear about those sitting in the pew at church or whatever, and I feel like they're the ones being preached to. And that I feel like that I am at least um, cognitive of my faults and but maybe not, you know, maybe I need to hear more about some of this stuff. But yeah, I mean, right away, especially in a shop setting, like it's just chaos, right? It's chaos way more than it should be. You know, you hear about businesses, too, that are uh, that, that put all these policies and procedures in place so that, you know, to reduce the chaos and make sure things run smoothly. And I don't know, man. I mean, I guess there's some out there that you can put in, but it feels like we can put 100 up and we policies and procedures and document them and whatever. And still every single day we're fighting fires. It seems like it, especially, I guess, if you're working all makes auto models, you know, which is another conversation, but it's nonstop. Every, I feel like I'm going to try to get some work done. And then I find myself pulled six different directions when, you know, we're also supposed to be CEOs, right? Not living in the day to day, but it's tough. We're all very busy. We're all putting out fires and, as a shop owner, I definitely ask a lot of our team, right? But the service advisor, ours is JD. That can be a painful position, I guess, depending on your model, right? Like, oh, brutal. It is definitely very challenging uh, position. And- you got to deal with the personalities of the clients. You have to deal with the personalities of the techs. You probably have to deal with the with my personality. personality of the well, yeah, <laughs> any manager or owner above you. Okay, the owner is going to be above you, but you know, is there another manager or two or more involved? I mean, to help set this up a little bit, uh, how big is Assured Auto Works? Uh, we have four of us, including me, two full-time techs, myself, and uh, a service advisor. 
I don't know. I feel like um, that's a pretty typical uh, staff model for a small independent shop, I guess. Uh, and we are small, growing, of course. But my goal with business development, really, uh, for years now, has been to grow it just enough that we can relieve the pain points for the team members, really. And how many bays? Not including outside, because I know you're in Florida. So. It's it's like the equivalent of five, but like a couple of them, you know, you have to move. You would have to move those to get the ones in the back out. So move all your muscle cars outside. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. But I drive one of those uh, Oscar Mayer Wiener uh, vehicles. <laughs> <laughs> the bus. <laughs> <laughs> so you did pass your class A. That's awesome, man. I know it took you a few times. <laughs> but no doubt. I mean, it hit uh, right away. Um, I mean, it's, we're supposed to be perfect, right? We're dealing with tr- uh, safety and transportation. I feel like your area is probably competitive, but it's still kind of rural, so probably not terribly competitive. And we're not in a huge city, but it's it's enough where I feel like there's a thousand shops near us. You know, it's... Uh, it definitely is a competitive market. So you really can't afford, to, not that you should be making mistakes, but you can't afford to. I mean, one mistake and you lose a customer that costs a lot of money. What's the population of Melbourne? That's where the shop is, right? Melbourne, Florida? Melbourne and surrounding areas, I feel like is maybe five or 600,000. You have Melbourne. How close are the surrounding areas that you have access to? Where I feel like my area, really about 20,000. The Red Wing area is 20,000. If we're going to pull anybody from anywhere, for sure, it's going to be less than 20,000. Maybe once in a while, we'll get something from the cities. You know, the cities for Minnesota, when you say the cities, it means the Twin Cities, which means Minneapolis, St. Paul, uh, and those suburbs. How far is that driving distance wise? An hour. It's an hour drive. So it's it's really rare. If, If it happens, Somebody is very, very frustrated and it, it's so rare, it's hardly worth mentioning. So I don't want to make it sound like it's a regular thing that, yeah, I would say we're very isolated. And then uh, because of that, it, it's a catch-22, like the population size hurts. Uh, but with the frequency of certain services, the the population can have a negative effect on that. So for equipment, this this number will be fluffed. And it's not to necessarily inflate the number so I can say that we have 30-some scan tools. It's more so a reflection of the car lines we can service. So to pick on an interface, if you will, the Tech 2. Well, I got, of course, the GM card. I also have an Zuzu card. I also have a Saab card. Well, it's still one scan tool, but it does three things. So I do say three, and I'm, it's not to like puff out my chest or anything like that. I don't, I don't want that. Do you have Suzuki too? Yeah, I don't know why. But there's a lot of that stuff we have, and I use it very sporadically. It's very sporadically. Most people would argue money poorly spent to, to have this interface or this subscription. That's part of the reason why I stay busy working in a population of 20,000 all I really do is figure it out. Somebody else maybe fixes it, you know, and the programming and the coding and the, you know, what little, little module repair I do. It's growing. You can tell, you can track it. It's getting to be more. But, and then ADOS calibration. So we're the only game in town where in your, I think in your situation, that, that would be very difficult to be 
the only game in town. Like what services could you provide that you could really dominate a market? It'd be rough. Maybe. I mean, but I think you and I both know we go to the same events and we see the same people. Regardless of population, there's not many. I don't know. We might not be the only game in town, but there's not many that are doing the level of diagnostic work that you're speaking about as far as being, you know, making sure that you're equipped to do that type of thing. Yeah. I mean, either way, it's different, right? But, you know, your challenge is population, mine's not, but it's market competitiveness, I guess. The point I'm trying to make is 500 and something thousand probably in the Melbourne and surrounding areas. Most people driving cars are not, they're not necessarily looking for somebody that has 30 scan tools. They're looking for somebody that can fix their car and they they don't really understand what goes into it. So, you know, if they come in and um, it's a 2021, as an example, just happened, it's 2021 Tahoe and our specs for the alignment machine go to 2019 or 2020, the 2021 is different. Uh, specs and service information really at that point aren't the same. We can subscribe to GMSI or whatever. Regardless, our, it doesn't matter. A technician pulls it up to do the alignment and he's using 2019 Tahoe specs. It's different because the rear is independent suspension, but he doesn't think about it and he makes a mistake and he doesn't adjust the rear. Happened the other day, you know, not to pick on anybody, but it's our team. It's my responsibility. Happened the other day and that's a mistake. So regardless of where you're at, I don't think you can afford, you know, if you're, whether you're low population, you know, it's a small town, word of mouth gets around quicker, or you're in a heavy population and you can't afford to lose that client because it's super competitive in your market. You can't afford to lose it. You can't make mistakes. Brings a circle, you know, circling back, can't make mistakes. So I feel like, you know, we are tasked to be perfect and, you know, rightly so. And so the stress levels are high and uh, we're all uh, counting on each other to basically be perfect, and which is, is too much to ask sometimes, right? You know, we talk about all of these mistakes and I, I, to me, we just need to make sure that everybody's aware of them so that we can learn from them. But, you know, we are asking a lot from, from our team for sure. It's no secret we're facing a technician shortage. Napa Auto Care has a solution with the Napa Auto Care Apprentice Program. The program was engineered by one of our own, Pete McNeil and Master Technician Jake Sorensen of McNeil's Auto Care in Sandy, Utah, realized that the problem of not having technicians available for hire was not going to solve itself and decided to take action and look at a different audience of individuals available for hire. A focus was put on younger individuals with the right passion, desire, and attitude to work in the automotive repair industry. Jake and Pete sought these individuals and developed a technician apprentice program to give them the training needed to become a successful technician in today's world. The Napa Auto Care Apprentice Program includes a comprehensive nine-stage curriculum that includes a variety of types of training, classroom training videos. Exclusive to the apprentice program, these videos provide an in-depth training from a successful master technician. Autotech classes, instructor-led courses offered through Napa Autotech, Autotech e-learning, web-based e-learnings designed to target specific training topics, hands-on learning. The apprentice will apply the skills gained from the classroom training videos, Autotech instructor-led training, and Autotech e-learnings in the shop with the guidance of a mentor. The apprentice program curriculum is competency-based, meaning an apprentice can move through each stage at a pace that best suits them. Most apprentices complete the program within two years. Upon a completion, apprentices will have earned ASE G1, A4, A5, and AC certifications, adding industry validation to the skills an apprentice acquires. Grow your bottom line. 
Having an apprentice in your shop will ultimately benefit your bottom line as they advance through the program. In most cases, as the apprentice develops their skill set producing billable hours, you will begin to see a growth in your gross profit by stage five. Keep your apprentice motivated with an apprentice toolkit. One of the largest entry barriers for individuals looking to enter the automotive repair industry is the cost of tools. Napa Auto Care has worked with our supplying partners to offer an exclusive, comprehensive tool set, including a four-drawer tool cart for all registered apprentices. To learn more, members can visit member.napaautocare.com. It is kind of that perfection thing, and I don't, I don't know if it's almost like goal-oriented where... Step one, you've, you achieve step one. Okay, I'm not looking at the first step anymore. I'm looking at step two. Step three, I'm not looking at step two anymore. Step four, step five, step six, not looking at five anymore or four or three. And sometimes you forget that, you know, moving up the stairs or moving up this ladder to just kind of stop and appreciate where you're at. And Sure, for your skill set or your skill level or how you're moving up through a company, we probably do that when it's a little more, I don't know if selfish is quite the right word, but at least, you know, more personal. It gets rough when employees expectations for management and they should have expectations. Like, don't, don't get me wrong. This isn't like running to management's aid either. But when things are evolving, when management kind of comes to you, Maybe you have a shop meeting or whatever. And I'm not saying you needed to do this or anything like that. Just in general, kind of like, okay, we got to change things. You know, we've hired a coach. We've hit some seminars. We've, you know, be- befriended some successful shop owners and they're really giving us a lot of good advice. And, you know, we thought we'd just kind of gather you all around and talk about some of the changes that are going to be made around here because we're not as successful as we'd like to be both as owners and as a business and being able to share that with you guys and things start changing. And I think at first everybody's kind of happy, like, wow, oh, okay, this will be great. And maybe a little scared depending on what it is, but things start progressing. They really do. Let's just for this scenario, let's say they really do. And then maybe real world isn't always just like moving up. (laughs) You know, every step is a big improvement or, you know, a extremely noticeable Two steps forward, one step back, yeah. Sometimes that happens, right? And sometimes it's one step forward, two steps back. It it happens. But anyways, let's just say from the day of that meeting to fast forward six months, a year, three months, whatever, that sometimes you forget, and maybe years, sometimes you forget to go, wow, you know, things have gotten a lot better around here. I remember however long ago, acknowledging that acknowledging that to the management, acknowledging that to ownership, like, wow, you know, things can be better, right? We, we complain about a lot of stuff in the profession, in the country, you know, the United States, it's pretty hard to say you'd want to live anywhere else, right? I, I think that's a fairly safe, safe statement. There's a lot of really, really difficult places to live, but it doesn't mean it's perfect. It's got a lot of things broken. And we would like to see them fixed and we may disagree about how to do it, but I think we know things are broken, but I don't think it hurts to acknowledge like as bad as things are, things could be way worse. In other places, they are way worse. Same with the shop or any business. It's just like, it's not perfect. We got to fix this. We got to fix this. We got to fix this. And we're working on it. And I wish it was faster. 
but where's the acknowledgement of like, wow, you know, it was, you know, we did this and it's so much better and we've done that and it's so much better and we did this and it didn't work out so good, but we tried it, deep sixed it, went back to this other way. It's evolving, right? I think that's a good word, evolving. That's interesting. I see what you did there. You turned that right around. So I'm stoked now. Now I'm not feeling guilty anymore. I'm going to go back to the shop and yell at the team and ask them why they haven't been congratulating me. Yeah, especially Carlos. <laughs> Well, I wanted to start out that way because it's too easy as a tech to be like, hey, you know, where's management ever acknowledging what I've done to fit into the team or the concept? Like I came in here and, you know, I was this type of a tech. I I did steering suspension and alignment and I could turn out these great numbers and no comebacks and super straight steering wheels. And that's not what this shop needed. They needed heavy line. So I have adapted my tooling, my training, everything to fill this need. And I'm getting better at it. And my numbers are starting to get closer to where they were with the alignments. Or maybe it's unrealistic to hit those numbers, whatever. But the, the numbers are getting there. And yet management just wants more, 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 more hours, whatever that may be. More production, more efficiency throw out all these management numbers, throw out all these management terms. And sure, we want more, but when do you ever stop to acknowledge like, wow, I I see what you've done. I see your evolution. We really appreciate your evolution and how you've grown into this role. And, you know, where is that? So it, it does go both ways for sure. And I was just thinking, I'll ask you this question, I guess. Of the people that you're surrounded with in your life, Maybe we'll break it down into two segments. One, just your non-automotive friends, family, and your automotive friends, family, or your guy friends versus your, you know, women friends or whatever. Because I think there's a the, difference. The ones for, I pay for, or just like natural. I would say we for for the initially we can talk about all of the above. So, how many do you come across uh, that you feel are very complimentive that compliment frequently, not only you but people around them? Uh, easy number one. Dan Baumhart. I've never worked for him. I knew some of the guys at the shop that when he ran uh, his shop in uh, West Allis, Wisconsin, they're great guys. We'd have to ask them because the topic never came up. But Dan has always been very complimentary from what I saw again. And I'm hoping it's not biased eyes. I'm sure it is, but very complimentary, very quick to commend somebody. It could be a good fix on a car a good diagnosis, doing something around the shop. Like, hey, that was really nice of you to go clean up that corner of the shop or how you handled talking to that customer. He's the most natural person I've ever seen do that. I don't see any effort on his part to do it. It just flows naturally. I guess that's where my point is, is I think, and I don't mean to get into women versus gender, gender, biasing or anything like that. But I think women are typically more complimentary than men. But regardless, it's not that often. That's the point is when you do run across somebody like that, they stick out immediately, kind of like you did with Dan. You think of them right away. And then you start thinking of trying to think of others. And there's not that many. And I could think George Minshew. Oh, that's a good one. Speaking with him, he anytime something specific comes up, he can remember somebody and, and kind of raises them up. And they're usually not there. I'm sure if they were there, he would. Yeah, I'm kind of embarrassed. <laughs> I'm embarrassed for not linking his name in there. 
the big point is is that we're not there's it's not a natural thing for for people i think more often than not and the other part of that is would you agree that sometimes it feels a little awkward when somebody's complimentary of you if it's too often or if it's for something i viewed arbitrary which is on me cuz i've deemed it arbitrary they may think it's the greatest thing in the world like honestly not not that i was so great that i did that or whatever you know tech b was so great in doing that it mattered enough to them to warrant saying something positive i think if it's all the time it starts to get to where you just start ignoring it or rolling your eyes but i think in measured quantities and you know <laughs> now we're talking about the, the, this big gray sea of where that lies but a lot of its intention too and going from zero or very minimal like the only time maybe you get a compliment is along with finding out all the things you're not doing right at your review <laughs> it's it's maybe maybe you could throw in a few here and there and some of it's complimentary some of it's just acknowledgement and i don't even mean like pat on the back acknowledgement but to be like hey you know what i i do see what you do i do see maybe you don't have to call it out maybe it's you know, tech C does not bang out work at the rate the others do and maybe not quite what you would hope, but you trust them, him or her, you trust them with anything. You you trust them with your family, your, your money. They're just that level of trustworthiness and the way you see them interact with customers or the other employees in the business they make really good decisions. Therefore, that's worth acknowledging, even if it's a random day. I haven't said anything to this person except good morning in a long time. I think I'm just going to pull them off to the side. I'm going to pull her over here and say, you know what? I, I just want you to know that I do see some of the things you do around here. And it is not said enough, but I value it greatly. It's very important. I'm glad you do it. I'm glad you continue to do it without anybody saying, hey, good job. So, and I think a lot of times that means a lot, especially when it's kind of like one of those left field things where when a tech's banging out whatever number, let's just say it's an amazing number of hours a week consistently with no comebacks. Okay. They would expect, they know they're doing good. They, they know it. Everybody knows it. So the pat on the back, it's easy. It's like, hey, man, hey, you, I love how you keep your area so organized. I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you maintain these production levels and your area is always so tidy and I've never said anything about it, but I just want you to know that I do notice it and I really do appreciate it. Most of the time I did, I do just exactly what you brought up initially. <laughs> I always start with, hey, a good job, but not so good a job. <laughs> <laughs> on this and this and this. <laughs> For every two negatives, you have to include a positive. So you, you devote a lot of time trying to figure out what those positives are so you have enough to cover the negatives. And then if you don't have enough positives, you can't bring up all the negatives. So now you have to pick your poison. Like You've definitely uh, given me plenty of material to work with my business coach on or my life coach or whatever. This has uh, been a a weak point of mine for a long time. And hopefully at least bringing this up and talking about it, will get some folks thinking, but it's not even just in business, right? It's in every, all aspects of our life. I mean, I'm supposed to probably say something like I acknowledge something good with my wife, but yeah, I flat out refuse or kids. I mean, if you're telling them 
you're reminding them to do things like every 38 seconds. I don't know. How do you, how do you find the, conf, you know, the compliment in that? I don't, you're really good at not listening. It's amazing. <laughs> Spin that into a positive. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how you do it, but <laughs> so taking people for granted, giving compliments. I just did a quick Google search. That's that's number one. Give compliments. And I don't want to imply like I've ever really taken my employer aside and rattled off the things that I do acknowledge. I, I've probably said them in, in code, you know, so I didn't have to outright compliment them. <laughs> but why do we do that? <laughs> That's what I was asking before. Like you mentioned if it's too often or if it's you know, maybe not accurate or you kind of um, separated the two. Like you've, you've know you've, accomplish something and somebody says something it's like okay cool and it's different when somebody kind of somebody brings it up and you weren't even really aware of it right kind of what you were alluding to like i didn't even know that i was so organized but yeah come to think of it i do have the cleanest area or whatever so that's definitely something to consider but i have to say from personal experience it's not often we get complimented, really. And but when we do, when I do, I should say, and I think I'm not alone. It feels a little awkward, and I, you know, maybe we need to work on that. I mean, for some, it's natural, like you said with Dan and George. That's such an amazing characteristic, though, isn't it? It really is. There's a lot of characteristics that I. That's one I fall short on. Another one I think is really truly amazing uh, that most people don't have. It's just being childlike excited about things. I think that's a pretty cool characteristic too, but uh, both of those would be great leadership, you know, characteristics really. That reminds me of an article. I don't even want to guess how many years ago it would be terribly long. It would have been in motor magazine written by a shop owner slash, you know, whatever they called them contributors or editors. I don't know what they call them. He had a column every issue that uh, it was Bob Cirillo and he had a shop in New York, I think pretty sure it was New York city. And that was one thing he was talking about. in one of those articles was, or columns, whatever, maintaining that childlike wonder uh, or excitement. And when I read it, I was really young. So it's like, I didn't sympathize with them at all. It's like, what do you mean? That's every day. And then after a while, <laughs> it's kind of like, holy cow, yeah. It's easy to lose that. It's really easy to lose that. For sure. I mean, when people are that way, I I admire folks that can that are that way. I think it's natural most of the time. I don't think people that aren't that way usually work on it and kind of get there, unfortunately, you know. That wonder like that. And then uh, I really admire people that are like regimented. Something I've never done, never been regimented. Yeah, can't say that I am either. <laughs> this has been really fun thinking about all the crap that we suck at. <laughs> Someone's gonna have to message us some compliments, or <laughs> <laughs> Bryn, you put up with a lot of my crap really well, <laughs> and I really <laughs> want to acknowledge that you withstood like a four and a half hour drive from <laughs> re- technically good you, I guess, to Sioux Falls, South Dakota. That was remarkable. I think I told you during that trip, like, I want to do more of that. You know, we got an event or something. I've tried to, um, and I've been successful a couple of times, but not, not often enough. You know, get, you have an event to go to, get there a day earlier, connect with somebody that lives near the event and just kind of hang out, ride with them if they're mobile, go to their shop if they're not. I did enjoy, enjoy our trip. Speaking of like childlike excitement, I mean, 
I've never seen so much farmland. <laughs> I don't think farmland is exciting to most, but it was pretty exciting to me. <laughs> yeah, he kept asking me what this crop was and what that crop was. I lied on all of it because <laughs> you would believe me. <laughs> lots of silos, right? I saw lots of, I see lots of silos, I assume. Reminds me of this one movie that was, I don't know, every time I see a silo, it reminds me of this movie where this couple is on top of the silo and he's going to impress her and jump into the silo because he, he knows it's full of grain. That's dangerous. Yeah, he he dies because it, the grain had been is no longer in the silo. <laughs> I think of that every time I see a silo. <laughs> That's a stupid way to die. Jumping into a silo generally is stupid anyways, but there's another phenomenon where the grain, and it usually happens with grain, and not that you would always stick grain in a silo silo, but the grain can kind of fall in such a way where it creates a big air gap underneath it. So it's kind of got a, I don't know of a dome, kind of a domish look to it. So it looks fuller than it really is. And then when you fall into it, you break through, and now you're sitting below below that level with the grain now coming in on you, and you don't really swim through grain. Yeah. So this is like the real life quicksand, then basically. Yeah, the quicksand you'd have a better chance of surviving than that. I don't know anyone offhand that died that way. I do know people that would run into the uh, tanks where the manure, so they dump the manure in there and essentially almost liquefies and they pump it out. And it can be empty in there, but the um, fumes, if you will, the methane displaces oxygen. Invariably, somebody goes in there. And then somebody will chase in to get them back out. And it's rarely like one person dies. It's always two or three, but really two. Oh, almost always. Hasn't happened in a little while, but it, I mean, I think back, it's not that terrible long ago because, oh, I'll just run in to do this or that. And I think I need a stiff drink. We talked about how much we suck at things. And now we're talking about the crazy <laughs> way it is to die on a farm. <laughs> I a lot fewer ways nowadays than years ago, but it's that bad snap decision. You know, we get away with close calls a lot, just in general, in life. A lot of close calls, bad decision. You made a snap decision, it was bad, almost paid the price. And then there's the times where you, you pay the ultimate price. And on that downer. No. <laughs> <laughs> so what should we do differently then? Let me go back to my list here. Give compliments. Spend time apart. That's true. You got somebody go on vacation. They come back. Certainly do appreciate them more, right? Uh, Take over each other's chores. That's true, too. I guess when you go on vacation, you do their job. You certainly appreciate them more. I think tell your partner when they've done something right. That's pretty much the same as a compliment, no? Get each other gifts. Go on fun dates. I think shops should do stuff fun together. I've been thinking about that, too. Like, we usually shut down the shop and spend a few you know, go out to vision. That's like at least our one time away from work that we're together. Uh, But it's still work related. So I've put some thought into doing something totally unrelated to work as well. I think that would be fun. But then that's like a forced vacation. And they'll be mad at me for that probably. (laughs) (laughs) I I suppose it depends on how it's executed, but I'd pay them. But I've had this conversation with a few people, but most specifically uh, Thornton. One of his kids has, I mean, without a lot of details, has a job with a, I think it's an app development company. And just talking about some of the perks. Now, granted, it's a different world. But some of those perks 
that they don't talk about when they're hiring you is there's times you're going to show up to work and you're going to get in and you're going to start working or doing whatever you do. And then somebody, the boss, the manager, the owner, whoever walks out, tells everyone to shut it down. There's a bus out, the bus outside. We're all going to get on it and we're going to, and they go, I think they've gone to a go-kart park. I think they've gone just to a museum. I think they went to a baseball game. It's random. You you can't really count on when it will happen, but you kind of know it is going to happen. And the reason I bring that up, it's not because it's like there's any kind of resentment on my part, as much as that's the type of stuff we have to compete with. Because I think a lot of the talent that's working for those companies might be the type of talent we got to be looking for to get into our profession. Therefore, some of these things are, we have to kind of strongly consider how are we going to integrate that into our world? And it's rough, right? A small shop to do something like that would have to shut down or try to do it on a, maybe like a holiday or a a Saturday, a weekend. Yeah. If you do it on a holiday weekend, then then you just got resentment. You know, some of your team will be like stoked, but then others might have not really want to go. They feel somewhat obligated. I think it has to be, you know, either it has to be during business hours if it's something like that. I mean, some of the things I've thought of or uh, would even be, you know, time away um, as a, as a group and even potentially inviting, you know, spouses and maybe children to, I think probably, what you're speaking about, um, just day trips would probably be best because, again, they'll be put in a position where they feel like, well, you know, it's not a very good career move if we don't go to Bryn's mandatory vacation. You know, <laughs> so. It could be interesting. Yeah, my boss is ultra passionate about hockey. It, it makes sense to me and maybe, you know, my illogic to try to figure out a day to an afternoon or evening or whatever to take everybody to a hockey game. You know, we got the wild kind of share that, that passion to see that side. Like, okay, yeah, we hear him talk about it at work, but to see him at a game and talking about the different rules and positions, because believe it or not, not everybody in Minnesota knows all the rules <laughs> to hockey. Not everybody knows what icing is. And that's fine. Like they don't have to leave fans either, but it's kind of one of those things you get to experience and it's not work and it's, kind of a day away and a different experience and there's watching hockey on TV and then there's watching it live and somebody is showing their passion for something outside of auto repair. Maybe it has a net positive effect. I don't think it could hurt. And then you find out nobody ever wants to go to another hockey yeah. game ever again, or I would do this again. This is, that was a blast. Yeah, I mean, I think it would be better to even switch it up, not do the same things every time, yeah. Yeah, especially if you got different employees and you know their different passions. We all screw up, even though we're tasked to be perfect, we screw up all the time. And we think about, you know, our clients who are always trying to do that above and beyond thing. And some of that, you know, is to show appreciation, but some of it is to like make deposits, right? Because when we do make mistakes, we're hoping they'll, you know, have a little patience and understanding with us. And they'll remember that moment that we did, you know, that we left them a box of cookies or something melted, half melted in their car. <laughs> <laughs> it was Valentine's Day. <laughs> we put a rose in there and some chocolate. <laughs> it's <was> Florida. <laughs> it was 98 degrees. <laughs> No, no, we'll we'll pay for the upholstery cleaning. 
Same with our team, though. We got to make those deposits and maybe fun days. That sounds more up my alley. I've I've known for years that I need to work on compliments. I guess not getting much better. Got to figure something out, I guess. But even if it's the the compliment part is somewhat uncomfortable, if it's just the acknowledgement. And, th- and th- I mean, that's what that triggered the idea in that episode was like, look at what I've all done. And you don't, you don't even acknowledge it. You just keep demanding more, you know? So from the text perspective of look at all the training I've gone to, look at all the money I spend on tools, look at all the, you know, I, I've shifted skill sets a little bit um, or specialties. Uh, yeah, I've moved from the back of house to the front of house. Um, it, who knows? The list could go on. Right. And that I don't think the list is so important, but the idea in management just wants more. Like, okay, yeah, that's great. You had a 50 hour week, but we'd really like to see you around 60. And oh, well, you've put together a few 60 hour weeks. We'd, we'd really like to see you around 70, you know, or well, I don't need, why would you want me to acknowledge that it, your paycheck goes up? <laughs> and not that every shop's that way. I don't want to imply that. No, but I think as human beings, we typically take people for granted and we typically do want more. We're given an inch and we take whatever the phrase is, right? <laughs> I think it's natural, unfortunately. So we have to at least be cognitive of that and know that we need to work on that. And uh, you mentioned earlier that it's both ways. Recognizing people that are complimentive help me to understand that I need to be more. So I do believe that if you're in a leadership position, it kind of falls on the responsibilities primarily yours. I think you want your the culture to be right, then you got to kind of make the culture right. Kind of that syndrome or whatever with the, the grass is always greener. Probably better to work there or it'd probably be better to get a different employee into this position and then you get what you wish for and maybe it didn't. Yeah, you know what? It wasn't so great. But I was also thinking from management's perspective to the tech that, you know, we've improved the lighting here. We've been upgrading equipment regularly. We've been paying for your training. We've been sending you out for training. We've been, you know, increasing your your pay has gone up however much to try to meet kind of the, the shift in trends, right? I think the trend in our profession, and I I hope it's a good thing, is compensation seems to be going up, being driven up. Uh, due to a lack of, uh, you know, skilled talent coming in, skilled individuals coming in, the ones that can go now are retiring or reaching retiring age, or they're just fed up with it and they can go somewhere else and uh, do better for themselves. So I feel like that's, I hope that's a good thing. You know, you always got to be a little bit careful of what you wish for. Uh, but on the flip side, you know, management's perspective, like we're trying to do it better. We're trying, it's not a switch. Can't, can't do it all at once. Also, as a tech, as an employee, to uh, stop and think and recognize like, wow, you know what? Compared to a, a year ago or a few months ago or whatever, things are a lot better. And they're looking to get better and better. And I wish it would be faster. And depending on what those things are, it's kind of back to that. Go open your freaking mouth again. Don't wait till you're mad. Go in and say something. You may find out something you needed to know or helps stuff gets addressed that goes back to more more stuff that i probably suck at we'll just say employees you're saying you know don't wait till you're so mad that your decision's already made basically let's let's try to have a conversation before we get to that point uh some managers and owners uh they probably don't make it easy to have those conversations so 
we need to be cognitive of that. Like uh, my case specifically, like one example might be, well, we're a pretty small shop, so we don't really have like formal meetings or even a lot of formal one-on-ones because we talk so much throughout the day every day about how to handle not only the day-to-day stuff, but maybe long-term stuff. And But maybe you do need to have those formal meetings and especially one-on-one to give your team an opportunity to share because they might might be a little bit intimidated if you haven't kind of got the ball, roll, ball rolling by inviting them up to talk. You had kind of hinted that you had an idea of what we could kind of do with this. You foresaw, I think, a really intriguing idea. One specific one, I remember hearing an episode on Remarkable Results. They were talking about reviews and how their company does reviews. And so what they do is when it's time for somebody to come up for a review, they have this process. I know it was multi-step and I don't remember the details, but the one part that was intriguing to me was, you know, they would have a company meeting and everybody was invited and everybody on the team had an opportunity to review this individual. And it was, you know, there's rules, of course, Uh, it's got to be constructive criticism it can't come from a it's got to come from a place where you're truly trying to help the individual you're not trying to take the opportunity and of course those are rules that i think are obvious but uh, hopefully you have the right folks on your team you know that will be able to follow those rules but i i think that that part to, for me was really intriguing and i've uh, always thought that we would probably adopt that model and just never have my personal opinion is if my company were to to do that same process or something similar, that it would only be right if I was the first one uh, to be reviewed. And that brings me to another episode of Remarkable Results, where a shop owner found himself being a leader in a lot of different areas, like in his church and his uh, company and, you know, volunteer situations. He was always like the chair or something like that. And he recognized that every position, he's like the leader in every position that he's in, which he's surrounded himself potentially with a bunch of yes people. So folks that may not always be super um, truthful about, you know, or taking opportunities to help him understand some of uh, areas that he needed improvement upon himself. So I was thinking that maybe we might try to do it on the show if you're interested. Invite my team on. (laughs) Especially if it ends up like something out of Maury Povich or... Jerry Springers, um, we that could would be great. Totally set up a stage, and uh, <laughs> I'd like to um, ask my team if they're interested. But if they are, I think it would be kind of fun. I mean, certainly be vulnerable for me. Um, maybe we'll make it happen. I'm certainly game. That would be great. Well, I can't thank you enough for taking some time and coming on the show. Well, I enjoyed being here. Really, probably can't think of another time that I uh, had so much fun. Reminding myself of how bad I am at things. <laughs> I think that was pretty much our entire drive. Taking turns. <laughs> the Sioux Falls about what we all suck at. <laughs> and, and I mean, the, I, I got to beat you to the punch too. Is, uh, you know, I acknowledge that, uh, yeah, you are a blast to hang out with. We've gotten a chance. Uh, trade shows. Uh, a booth mate. A lot of good times. A lot of fun. We have, now that you said that, we have spent a lot of time together. <laughs> Wandering around Atlanta looking for barbecue on the back of a truck. I still wish that you or somebody else would have gone on that romantic horse carriage ride with me <laughs> in Atlanta. Like something out of Cinderella. <laughs> <laughs> it was all lit up. <laughs> it was pretty amazing until we found out how much it costs. Oh, man. 
That would have been hilarious, though. I joke about that with Richard Falco. I've seen, I've been more on more fun trips with Richard Falco. I've seen more of the country probably I have with him than I have my own wife. It's terrible. He's a good guy to be doing that with, though. He'd be a blast. Well, thank you again, sir. Yeah. Appreciate being on. And uh, I think we'll have a couple other cool episodes maybe coming up. That'll be a good time. All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you again to Bryn for stopping by. Thank you, Napa, for sponsoring. And uh, if you guys think of ideas, uh, topics you'd like covered, please don't hesitate to reach out to me through uh, Facebook, Facebook Messenger, the Facebook page, email Podcast at gmail.com. And uh, until then, I look forward to the next one. You've been listening to Matt Fonslow diagnosing the aftermarket A to Z on the Aftermarket Radio Network. Follow Matt on your favorite listening app. He's very interested in what you have to say. Let him know what you'd like him to cover and come on the show. Matt is all for advancing the aftermarket. Find Matt Fonslow on social media and connect or on aftermarketradionetwork.com. 